Good morning, church. This is Pastor Eric Gross of Gospel Life Bible Church. It's nice to be here. I wish I wasn't just seeing myself again for like the seventh week in a row. Hi, Pat. Nice to see you, Pat. Hi, Emily. Nice to see you, sort of. I'm still staring at a picture of myself, but uh, hey, it is what it is. And so I just want you all to know that I miss you guys. Like, this is, man, this is like forever in a sense. It's such a unique uh, position to be in. And so even preaching and teaching and everything else and discipling and it's all just so different right now. But uh, how awesome to see you guys and I'm just kind of watching. Hi Pat, hi Emily, hi Tanya, hi Alicia, hi Carolyn. Awesome to see all you ladies on and just uh, I'm glad to be here. So kudos. So yeah, uh, I guess I'm a little distracted this morning. We were just worshiping um, and just thinking about here we are. And so, yeah, like this is the seventh week of doing this, and it feels like forever. And so I'm just trying to do the best we can with what we got. I think we finally have it where I'm not necessarily like a, a robot and Mr. Godzilla, where I'm like, blah, blah, and then you hear me talk. So it's just kind of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, let me know uh, if it's still choppy or whatnot. But we got, like, direct connect, and I'm using a little fancier laptop. The camera's not as good. But either way, it's still fun. And so, yeah, just to dig in, I mean, I hope you're all doing well. I haven't heard from any of you of any needs or anything like that. Uh, I know reach out, and I just want you to know that I'm all praying for you. Like, yes, I'm not sending you a little text, but uh, of course, like, uh, feed the sheep, love the sheep, protect the sheep. So I hope you're all doing well in that capacity. Um, and of course, if you need anything, if there's any help I can be, just let me know, please, you know. So uh, just generally, always, they're kind of the same thing. It's the same needs uh, every week, in a sense. Uh, the food, people still need to eat. It's, like, you know, we need to eat to survive. So think about the Genoa Food Hub and an opportunity to serve there if you're able, if you're healthy, if you're willing, if you're able, um, as well as filling the blessing boxes that Travis has put up, you know, the one in front of Open Door and the other one close to the school. It's good to, um, you know, just have options for people and opportunities. And I know the Food Hub's been really busy and, you know, you can go to their website. Um, and find those opportunities as well as when they're serving. And it's the same thing with blood. The second thing, like the life is in the blood. Blood only has a shelf value or a shelf life of 42 days altogether. So this pandemic, you know, not as many people are going, not as many people are giving blood. So redcross.org, um, they schedule appointments. And if you're able, if you're healthy, of course, you know, consider this. If not, totally understand. Um, and then just in general, like reaching out to people. Is there any smaller needs that are in the community that we can help or that we can be a part of or that we can, uh, you know, just just pray for, be a light in, something in that. So just general reaching out and people, like if there's something we can do to help, please just let us know how we can help. It's pretty simple. Um, but it feels really complex right now, too, <laughs> at the same time. I'm not going to lie. Like just... Uh, the risk versus reward system that we have in place and the quote-unquote the haven't really lost freedoms there's still that great loss of freedoms that we're experiencing but either way those are the announcements so just consider you know the food that people still need to eat blood that people still need to survive and then just general care and well-being you know a phone call or standing outside each other's doors or things like that um, yeah, I was going to make a silly joke here right now, too, that, uh, you know, this is a great time to go teepeeing because no one's going to come out and harass you. But that's just silly. <laughs> so, um, either way, uh, because I feel like I've lost touch a little bit with, you know, the church body and a lot of other people, even though, you know, I've been seeing a good amount of people online, you know, for the men's and the women's Bible study. Uh, we're switching our Wednesday night group. We're actually going to do sermon catechism here in Philippians again because uh, I think we need the word right now more than probably anything else that's going on. Um, this truth of God is really special and we've made our own truth and yet we're kind of like this, this truth is crazy around here right now. And so um, 
I chose this series in Philippians for that reason, because losing losing touch a little bit in that sense. And so the name of the series is Regardless, We Press On in Christ. And so the whole book of Philippians, you, you probably know or have heard before that Paul's writing this from a jail in Rome, and he went to Philippi and started a church there. He wasn't there very long. But this is a, a letter of friendship. A letter of joy, if you will. Um, that's not the overarching curse or the cause. Not curse. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like that's the overarching cause. And uh, there's just a lot of great themes in this about life and absence and missing people, as well as unity and love and joy and peace and the Trinity and humility and justification by grace alone faith alone, what life in Christ is like, what we're doing now, and what it's going to look like in the future. Remember our citizenships in heaven, um, our identity in Christ, perseverance, as well as sanctification, and then thanksgiving, uh, developing a heart of gratitude versus a heart of greed. But <clears throat> this series, I chose those words because they specifically match um, what's going on in this book, and it's kind of back to front, if you will. So where we're starting today, gospel greetings in Christ um, from Paul to this church in Philippi, but why this series specifically? The word regardless goes to chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, and it says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we see Paul talking briefly about the, the contentment and the regardlessness of being in every situation that you know, being brought low or knowing how to abound, being abundant or being in need, that there still is contentment. There still is that, that joy in Christ and that life that we look forward to. And we know that we're being changed and we know that we're being sanctified at the present time. So regardless of whatever situations may arise in our lives, we can be content. We can learn to love Jesus. It's easier said than done a lot of times, and especially in a unique uh, situation like this that we're dealing with. But um, how unique is it really at the same time? There's always been all kinds of diseases. Yes, this is a bigger disease, but either way, sorry. I, I, my mind wanders when I'm staring at myself and I'm talking to myself. <laughs> so, regardless, uh, we can be content. And then we press on. We press on. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Powerful. Powerful. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. He's talking about the resurrection. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so we press on. And so we see, and even in the life of Paul, because what he talks is about his pedigree uh, a little bit before this in chapter 3, and all the things that he's done in his life, and how none of it ultimately, you know, um, we just continue pressing on because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so he's done that with all of you that are listening. All of you has made you your own. And he's told you to he's called you to be the church, be his body of believers, be a royal nation or a holy nation, a royal priesthood, if you will, a people for his own possession. Praise the Lord. <laughs> like, dang, like do you think about that? Do you think about that regularly? Like, yeah, no matter what. Again, regardless of what happens. I can move forward in my life. I can face tomorrow because Jesus has made me his own. And I am his, and he is mine. And it's a beautiful thing. And so, again, the last part. So we've got regardless, we've gone, knowing the biblical truth about Christ and 
you know, I love Paul's little comment, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Remember, we've been forgiven for our past and we've moved forward and we continue to move forward and it's a huge blessing in our lives. But in Christ, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So we see how it goes back to forward a little bit in this series. And I just wanted you to know that that's kind of where my heart's at in all of this. Like regardless, we press on in Christ. And so you can see that. Hopefully you can feel that in a sense. Hopefully you acknowledge that spiritual truth in your life. Um, and this is just a phenomenal series. And especially how he even begins it. It's just, it's, it's breathtaking. And there's this amazing poem in chapter 2. And it, again, all those things that we were just talking about. So I don't want to dig too deep, but I, of course, naturally have a tendency to ramble, especially, like I said, when staring at myself. <laughs> so I wish I had some kind of facial reaction, but this doesn't ever work out that way. So um, let's pray and let's get started talking about how awesome Jesus is. So dear Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all the life and just the fact that we get to know you and to love you and to serve you. And I just thank you where you brought us today. Like even though uh, you know we're all being humbled and it's a challenge for us as human beings uh, in this time, that uh, your goodness is still seen, your grace is still felt, your love is still felt, and uh, your church is still here. And we're still waiting for you, Lord. So Jesus, come back. But Lord, bless this time this morning as we talk about all about So Lord, be with us. It's in Jesus' name that we will forever pray. Amen. So, the book of Philippians. So, yeah, there's, there's much to say about this book. And um, this first part is a simple greeting and then the thanksgiving and prayer. And so you need to know, though, background of this a little bit, and we can pick that up from the book of Acts, chapter 16, where Paul visits Philippi. And so Paul is, you know, um, he has a vision in Macedonia. Paul wants to go into Asia, okay? Paul wants to go to a place that the gospel hasn't touched yet, to cities where, you know, he might not be seen or, or he hasn't been heard yet or the gospel hasn't been heard. Jesus hasn't, you know, revealed himself to other people. So he wants to go to a different community, and that's in Asia. But Paul, when he is um, in Troas, he has of a man in Macedonia. And this vision of this man in Macedonia says, come, help us. And so the help that the man's asking for is obviously the sharing of the gospel, because that's the greatest help that anyone needs in their life. Yes, there's tangible needs, but spiritually speaking, like there's no greater need than to hear the gospel and understand Jesus. Otherwise, you're looking at religion, and you're looking at a workspace system trying to earn your own righteousness. So that is one reason why the gospel alone is such amazing news, because it's not on my merit, it's on my Lord's merit. And so Paul has this vision, and he goes to Macedonia, and which is uh, Philippi, uh, the nation, but Philippi is the city. And so he goes, and on the Sabbath, he goes and down by the river, and he sees a lady named Lydia, or he actually sees a group of ladies that are praying together on the Sabbath. And so Paul sits, and he converses with them, and he talks to them, and there's this lady named Lydia, a uh, very successful business lady, apparently, selling purple goods, but uh, she comes to faith in what Paul has to say in, in that section, in that gospel. And so, um, great news, Paul's converted someone, that's like the first convert in Philippi, and then, like, there's this lady that's famous, 
Kirchwell, um, that says, hey, these men are here to tell people about the Lord and his salvation. And this lady follows him around for like four days. And so Paul finally, uh, after four days of frustration, having someone follow you and, and saying, you know, these men are from God behind you all day long, that Paul commands the demon or the spirit to come out of the girl. It was a spirit of divination and fortune telling. And so Paul has her come out. And when Paul has her come out, um, the owners of this slave girl, uh, seeing that their fortune was all gone, uh, decided to have Paul and Silas arrested at this time in, in Philippi. And so they're arrested, they're beaten, they're causing this uh, to come out of this girl. No physical harm to the girl was done, but just people in their pride and seeing their loss of money um, wanted Paul and Silas arrested for that. And so they're in jail and they're singing hymns. And then one night an earthquake happens and all the doors are released and everything's open. And so um, all the prisoners could escape, but they didn't escape. Paul and Silas and the others were all there. And the Philippian jailer at that time, knowing that you know all the, the doors are open and that most likely all the um, jailees are gone, that he was ready to kill himself. But Paul called out in that time and later converted him uh, as well. And so that is pretty much all that we know about what Paul did while he was in Philippi, because after he was released from jail, um, he was asked to leave town. And so all the leaders of the town, um, you know, kind of asked him to leave. And then there was this whole fiasco, because Paul's a Roman citizen, about, uh, you know, beatings and not beatings. And so they were kind of scared of Paul. And so that's why they really asked him to leave. Um, that and, of course, sharing the gospel. You know, everybody's offended by the gospel in one way or another because what do you mean it's not about me? And so that's all that we know about Philippians is that Paul left right after that. And so we've got Lydia and then we've, and her family and then we've got the jailer and his family. And so apparently when we read this, we see that there's clearly a much bigger breadth and a much bigger presence to what Philippians is, because Paul has a real intimate relationship with his church, you know, a, a model, if you will, for the local church nowadays. Just the, just that you, we've been a part of each other's lives since the very beginning, in a sense. And so, yeah, just knowing that Paul's reading this from jail, that Paul was barely in Philippi, that he only saved a couple families. I think it's I think it's safe to go and to understand and then to see some of this and to be like, man, this is amazing. But like I don't get it at the same time. And so praise the Lord for that because that is a blessing of the Holy Spirit to love one another and to have these affections. And that there's a genuineness between Christian brothers and sisters that by the blessing of the Holy Spirit, I am naturally attracted to you because of the Christ dwelling in you. That I can somehow or another feel that and know that and understand that. And so it's, it's a beautiful expression. So the text for this morning, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of 
Amen. So the first point here, the first two verses, with sanctity. Like this is this is commonplace in old, you know, Testament or Paul's time, if you will, a way of writing letters. You've got a standard greeting. The first part is who wrote it. The second part is who it's to, and then there's usually a blessing. Just the same as if we were to go down to verses three through eleven. There, it's very commonplace to have a prayer of some kind or a prayer to the gods, if you will. <clears throat> because there was a plurality of time that they would pray for each other. That when you got a letter, there would naturally be a prayer. There would also be this type of greeting. But what Paul does in this is is amazing because he points it to the gospel and to grace and to peace and, and joy and partnership and a lot, a lot of things here. Um, Church that he clearly cares about, that he would seem to be very at, but, but seriously cares about in all of these times. And so the humble unity with sanctity, like go verse by verse on that. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Like, I don't know if your Bible has it laid out right, but you see that that's just one single verse by itself. And that there's a whole lot of blank space after servants of Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to go and you were to look at some of Paul's other greetings, you would see that there's something missing from that. You would see that Paul's apostleship or his lordship is missing from that, as if there's any kind of sense of authority in that. They clearly know Paul. They clearly love Paul. And Paul clearly knows them. And Paul clearly loves them. So he doesn't have to lord of his uh, grace from God that's there in the first place for this church. Like in every other letter, he's always telling everybody, an apostle of Christ Jesus, an apostle of Christ Jesus, which is, uh, you know, his calling from God at that time. So see the humility, in a sense, in Paul and Timothy and how he started this letter and the fact that he just says they're servants of Christ Jesus. Well, to make this even more so sticking, is in, but if you go it doulos, the original Greek word, it means slave. So, slaves of Christ Jesus is what Paul is saying here. So, people conscripted to the service of Christ rather than the service of sin is exactly what Paul wants to show here. That very simply, he does not feel, and especially when you look at the next verse, that there is isn't among the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Yes, there are specific roles. There's overseers and deacons, and then understanding rightfully so that there's all saints. So he starts off this letter with a point of humility, which is a big point of what he's talking about uh, throughout a lot of the rest of the letter, especially when we consider Christ and how he humbled even to the point of death, death at that time. And so we see that humility. And then to all the saints, Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, unity, unity. So humility, unity, and then naturally the third verse is going to be the sanctity or sanctification, the blessings that we receive from God. But don't miss this point about all the saints in Christ Jesus. And then how he specifically mentions the office of overseer and deacon. A lot of times we'll just read this and kind of go through this, but this is the only letter where Paul actually mentions the overseers and deacons within the church. He usually just says, to all who believe, or sometimes he'll say all the saints. Like, what is that? you know specifically mean and what does that mean for us and how does that translate to us uh, in a sense or how is it applicable and that's one of the beautiful blessings of the church in being the church all the saints who are in Christ Jesus and then they mention the leaders so this is a big deal and uh, or Ephesians chapter 4 is one of my like where we stand as a church like God gave the apostles the evangelists, the teachers, for the building up of the saints for the work of ministry until we all attain the unity of the Christ. 
But all the saints means every member who Christ Jesus has a say in this. And Paul wrote this letter of thanks, this letter of joy, this letter of friendship to all of them who are in the church at Philippi. All of them. And so, again, this shouldn't probably strike you as too odd, but it's really important to see that you're all really important in Christ's church. You all have a reason and a purpose for being the church. Like, you've been given spiritual gifts, right? You've been given talents. You've been given, um, like, it works both ways. I, I don't want to focus on one aspect or another. But to be served and then to serve. Like that's that's what we're doing within the church constantly. Wow, I just noticed my shirt. It's so weird. To anyway, to be the church, to not be the church, to use your gifts, to be served. Sorry, I'm looking at myself. Um, it's been a rough night, and so I apologize for that. But I just want you to see the unity of the saints in that, and then to understand that there are specific offices within the church: overseers and deacons. We've got elders and deacons, or, you know, it's episkopos um, is the word for overseer. And that's that's like me, and there's other brothers in me that are knowledgeable in the word, that, that help lead the body, that make decisions for them. And that's who Paul's talking to, because they are the ones that shepherd the flock. They're the overseers. And the deacons help to serve and to know and to love many other people within, within the church too. Like they are the ones with the greatest servant hearts within the church. But know that the church, because it's all the saints, it's always been about all the saints um, within the church. Not one is more important than another. And if I was to tell you at the foot of the cross, you're, you're all equal. You're all equal because we're all partakers of grace. No one has earned it. No one's better than another in a sense. It is by God's free will and God's choosing and then our response to God, whether it be positive or negative in that regard. And so we see, again, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace being unmerited favor of God and the peace that he's talking about here is the peace with God, which is reconciliation, which is exactly Jesus Christ when he took our sin on the cross. He reconciled us back to the Father so that we could attempt to have that right and real relationship with him. So praise the Lord. And just see the, the humble unity and sanctity and understand that that is where this is going as well. But he really nails it in the next part, in the thanksgiving and the prayer on what um, you know, the whole purpose of this letter's for, why he's giving thanksgiving, and, you know, where this letter's going to go in a sense. And so, you know, those are just a couple themes, humility, unity, and then, of course, the sanctity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But in point two, and seeing that, you know, regardless, we press on, and then these humble gospel greetings, that there are special bonds in Christ's church, most definitely. And so you see that, in, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And then if you go to verse 7, um, how I yearn for you, or verse 8, I'm sorry, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ, and hold you in my heart in verse 7. So obviously there's some sentimentality here in regard. And you can see that there is joy in partnership, there's joy in their sanctification, and there's feelings of affection for one another in Christ. And so we see that Paul thanks God, always in every prayer of mine, making your prayer with joy. And so joy, just, just to be very clear, because this, this is written 16 times in this letter, joy and rejoice, like it's, it's a big deal in this letter. Joy is not a feeling, it is a state of mind. And you will see that as we approach chapter 2, having a mind in Christ. Mind, mind, mind. Paul says mind just about as many times as he says joy in this letter. And it's very important because, again, it's not a feeling, not a feeling of euphoria. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, in the name of the sermon series and the regardless and the contentment to know that regardless of whatever situation life may throw at me, that I am ultimately going to be okay and praise the Lord for that. So joy ultimately is the settled assurance 
that God is in control of all details in your life. It gives you perhaps confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right, and it is the determined choice to praise God in every situation. It is joy. And so why does Paul essentially have joy here? Like, understand, again, the joy in the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Like, they've been friends since, you know, they first met, when they first got saved, when Paul first shared the gospel with uh, Lydia and then the Philippian jailer who was unnamed at that time. And so we see that. We see Paul's joy uh, if you were to go in verse 6, you see Paul's joy that he, where is it, completion, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Paul's joy is in knowing that his brothers and sisters are, are saved and that they're sanctified and are being sanctified. <coughs> and that partnership, again, the partnership, the sanctification, and then there's joy, um, you know, just in in their relationship that regardless uh, feel that their strength and bond is strong enough that nothing's going to be affected uh, for them or with them or, you know, they're not, they're, they, you know, maybe they're going to argue, maybe they're going to have challenges, maybe they're going to have tribulations, but at the same time, they know that they can work through them because they are one in Christ. And so that is powerful spiritual truth for all of us to think about. Um, you know, because we're so divisive right now. Like, as a country, as human beings, like, man, it is nuts out there. Like, I really, I've never been a huge social media guy. Um, I was for a little bit in my life, but it really got away from me. And so I kind of just scroll now and again. I don't really post. I don't really want to have debates and discussions. But, man, I see it. Like, I don't, I don't know why we're doing the things that we do sometimes. It doesn't make a lot of sense because I don't know that you're going to change people's minds because you put up a news article on something or this, that, or the other. So, like, we're all real. We're all human. We're all different. And so that's really important to get. And working this out, these feelings for affections of one rights. Go. It kind of makes you wonder in a sense a little bit. Just if it was, it, it is, and it still can continue to be regardless of this, but you can also very easily see the brokenness and the bitterness within people for their own ways right now, and that's always a danger in the church. Like, Philippians wasn't perfect, but Paul knew that they were for the gospel. They were for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They were being sanctified. They were supporting him. They were praying for him. They were loving him in whatever capacity they could do at that time. Even though we don't know very much about it, we'll see from this letter that clearly there's something much, much, much deeper than just a surface level, how's the weather today kind of relationship, right? Like, it's, it's pretty easy to see. And so I want to talk to you briefly, too, about this partnership that, that Paul was talking about. And the Greek word for it is kononia, okay? It carries a number of meanings. And if we went back a long time ago to when we were talking about the church series um, earlier last year, that one of the facets of being the church is fellowship or partnership, if you will, this kononia. And it carries with it fellowship, participation, sharing, contribution, and share. Okay, those are a lot of words, right? And partnership, of course. So koinonia is all of those six words. Fellowship, partnership, participation, sharing, contribution, and stewardship. Like, that's a lot. And, and of course, there's a lot to go over in this. But what really needs to be seen is that we're in this together. We are adopted sons and daughters in Christ, right? Like, it wasn't because of something we did. It's not the way that we look. It's not the spiritual gifts that we have. It's the calling from God to be together, to be the church together. And that's that partnership, that fellowship in the advancement of the gospel that Paul's talking about from the first day until now. 
And so we know some of the things that they have done for him by sending him people, sending him resources, and prayers, and we would see a lot of those. But at the same time, like, there's still certainly must be so much more that's going on there. And so it is a great hope and prayer, naturally, to see this within a church body and a congregation. But the problem with church bodies and congregations is that we're all sinners and we're all bent to our own way. And so hopefully the sanctifying truth of Christ, again, what we see that he who started a good work in you will see it at the day of completion, at the day of Christ, judgment day, if you will, is when we're fully sanctified and fully healed. But until that time, we just continue to grow in grace and in truth and knowledge and wisdom and discernment and experiences and hope and character and trials and tribulations and there's so many things that that we go through this, in this human experience that ends up changing us um and in essence it's a response right because joy isn't an emotion or a feeling it is a state of mind so we think about it in that capacity and in that regard and so there's the general fellowship that they have, they had in faith, in hope, in love, as all hopefully good Christians do, a fellowship together in gospel promises, in the ordinances, like communion and forever. You know that you can't really do communion alone, and I'm like, man, who's been communing with the Lord? But either way, the ordinances, communion, like I miss like I just want you to know, uh, the privileges, the hopes, the promises of God, the salvation, and again, this from the first day until now. So clearly there's that personal relationship in there. Um, and then, you know, going back to the story I told you of Acts 16, uh, it's clear that Paul was able to do little more than establish a fledgling little congregation. I mean, there's two families that they talk about. Lydia's family and then the jailer's family. So, so what happened? Um, so when he left, clearly that little congregation was in place, but clearly that there's people that whose lives were changed in Christ by the blessing. They kept the church going, and they kept. They clearly must. They clearly must have proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, and so. It's just amazing churches, and so we see that. And then we see in verse 6 the perseverance and the grace and regardless of what circumstance we find ourselves in, that we will get through it because we are His. That understand that you know through tribulations that sanctification occurs. Nothing is meaningless for those of you who are in Christ. Just understand that totally. And that, again, moving on, I hold you in my heart, the heart being the epicenter of who we are. As human beings, I hold you so at the forefront of my mind. I'm thinking about you. I'm caring about you. I'm developing, you know, this love for you because I hold you. My we develop love for people. It's the continued like if you want to grow in love with God, surround yourself with God's people. Surround yourself with His Word. Listen to sermons, things like that. So clearly, again, in this, there must have been something about the relationship that. That Paul kept growing in love for them. So praise the Lord for that. And then uh, the partakers with me of grace, adoption in you know God's family, God's chosen. Um, again, this is not something that we've done. It is purely solely on the grace of God alone that we're here in the first place. So that unmerited favor, that mercy, that not getting the punishment we deserve. And so there's that unity again, the partakers. Uh, reason three, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. Like, again, like they've been with him since day one in all situations and circumstances. Even though they might not have physically traveled with him, they've been a part of Paul's ministry since the very beginning. And so that is a beautiful thing. And so he prays for them and he gives thanks for them and then unity for them. Now he turns a corner in verse 9 through 11, and he's interceding for them. He's praying for them, 
that they continue to grow in these certain avenues. And so this really, verse 9 to 11, like if you want to know, pray for someone else, like this is a great example, like if you want to pray for your friends, your family, uh, things of like that. And it is my desire of me abound with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is right and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he's praying for their spiritual growth. He's praying for them to grow in love. Uh, this is, you know, we can look at it a couple different ways. Phileo, uh, which is brotherly love, grow in affection for one another. Or agape, uh, sacrificial type of love, where you grow in service and you realize it's not about yourself, but it's about other people as well. So he wants them to grow in, in love. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And again, with knowledge and all discernment, which is exactly what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Like, don't use your judgment as condemnation to, you know, write off these people just because they posted something that you don't agree with. Or, you know, they did something that you might not agree with. The measure of a man's life is not based on one action. But sometimes I know, especially we're living in a, a smaller town, that you do something foolish, like in grade school, that's going to follow you all the way through high school, right? Like, it's just naturally. And so don't use that type of judgment to condemn this person or her sins, but grow in love. Grow in this phileo. Grow in this brotherly love and affection because they are your family. You will be rejoicing with them in heaven. And again, that is just such a beautiful thing and, and so you know, exciting. Like, I'm looking forward to this day. Like, especially with what's going on right now, like, let's go, let's go. Um, but the more knowledge and discernment that this person who's growing in love has um, can bring, you know, more effectiveness or the ability to act effectively in situations because they are growing in this type of way. To do what really needs to be done and less likely that you will do something that, um, you know, would turn out harmful or bad in the end, in a sense. And so to grow in that, to grow in love, to grow in discernment, all in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we're able to approve what is excellent. Like knowing God's will through his word is exactly what helps you understand. So that when that aren't necessarily black and white and good and bad that you can hopefully have a breadth of experience uh, within a your own life or be the life of your church or you know first and foremost or with the scriptures and the situations and the circumstances that they experienced that you know growing in all of those you'll be able to again use wiser decisions rather than having a choice between good and bad sometimes you have good better best and then terrible awful no good like this is going to let people die kind of choices in life and you know we're kind of presented with that in a little bit of a sense too right now so again a beautiful thing that paul's doing for this church to lay the ground foundation like this is every shepherd's prayer for his flock in a sense, like make no mistake about it. I want everyone to grow in love. I want everyone to grow in brotherly love. I want everyone to grow in agape, the sacrificial kind of love. I want to see sin killed. I want to see pride destroyed. I want to see, you know, again, love covering a multitude of sins, if you will. And then growing in the truth that we can stand together and stay united and make decisions together and you know help one another on this crazy journey called life and that's exactly where we're at right this crazy journey called life and so if the philippian christians have the knowledge and insight for which paul prayed in verse 9 which is the for love that they will be well equipped to examine to approve the choices that every day present them and to test those choices and then to understand that those are good but again, there's also many complex problems that we have in our lives. And so again, it's good to understand this knowledge and this discernment and praise the Lord for having a mind in Christ to understand this. But 
pure and blameless, the day of the Lord, just to kind of bring this home a little bit for us, the, the day of the Lord is you know, the ultimate test, if you will. It's, it's the balance of life and it's the balance of death. Okay, eternity hangs in the balance on this day of the Lord. It hardly matters what one has achieved in their life, because you will either be in his righteousness or you will be out of Christ and not in his righteousness. And then there's one of two places you can go in that to be in Christ or to be out of Christ. <coughs> and so if we fail this day of Christ test, nothing else will really matter. As Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? So that's from Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, uh, one of the parables. And so see this, that verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And so understand that, again, not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. Now, if you have, still have Philippians open, quickly flip to chapter 3. I read this in the beginning, verse chapter 3, 7 to 11. This is so powerful. But many people don't get it. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found with him. This is the really important part. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Okay? That's super important. And that's what he's talking about in this, this first part here. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes to Jesus Christ through the glory and praise of God. This whole plan of salvation, this whole everything, the gospel, it is all God's sovereign work and his mighty hand that allows us to even know him and to love him and to serve him. And then that fruit of righteousness that comes from the blessing of the Holy Spirit, you know, to dwell within us, to be a part of our lives that allows us to grow. Again, Paul explains in Galatians, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, how we grow with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And that's the truth of, of where we're at, and not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. So, growth. Like, again, growing in love, growing in knowledge, wisdom, discernment, and growing in righteousness, or holiness. Again, it's the Holy Spirit. His name is the Holy Spirit because it's his job to make you holy as part of the Trinity. His job to allow you to see God's will and God's design, to convict you of uh, wrongdoings or poor decisions, to think things more. And we have all of this because of the gospel, because Jesus lived that perfect sinless life. He lived that righteous requirement that we greatly need. You know, again, you need to have a righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, the most religious people on this planet, the most holy people, the people who are just perfect in your imagination, you have to have a righteousness higher than that. And that type of righteousness can only come from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His gospel. His good news of coming down to earth, being fully God and fully man and living that perfect sinless life, taking that punishment that we so rightly deserve, but God often gave us mercy. Uh, and, and put his punishment on the Lord, and that all that is required of us is repentance and belief. And so that even happens as a blessing of God, because the Holy Spirit convicts us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the Son of God, and that all of what is said in Scripture points to him, and that it is all absolute truth, absolutely, in all capacities. And so... Understand that the gospel is really good news. And understand that Paul and the church, like the church is an outpouring of the gospel and the really good news. It's the only reason that the church exists is because Christ came to save them. And as much as God saved Israel or chose a people of his own possession in the nation of Israel, he has created a church. 
he has created a people for his own possession in the church. It's the New Testament when Christ is king, and it's Israel in a sense. They're very different, though. Don't get me wrong. They're very different. But understand that the church is here and that this is God's chosen people. And you can see the lives that have changed. You can see that Paul, while writing in jail, writes this amazing letter of joy and talking about so many different aspects um, of life in Christ, life apart from Christ, unity, love, joy, peace, the Trinity. And then, of course, Philippians chapter 3 there, justification by faith alone through grace alone. It's gigantic. It's huge. And so, um, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for my ramblings. Thank you for the opportunity to even be able to talk to people, even though I'm really just kind of looking at myself. Uh, just thank you for everything that you are doing. I know you are at work in this. I know that, you know, the gospel's going out farther. I know that hearts are being changed. I know that minds are being, you know, changed. I know that values are being changed. Uh, I, the world's going through a change right now and as creatures of habit that's really hard because we don't like change and so lord i give you thanks our church gives you thanks those listening hopefully give you thanks for all the work that you are doing because it is clear to see your holiness and your creativity in the things that have been made so we are without excuse and we know you lord and we love you lord and so just continue to bless us continue to keep us in your grace Continue to shower us with mercy as we continue to stumble and fall and walk away sometimes. But, Lord, bring us back. You leave the 99 to come save the one. So, Lord, in these moments, in these times, in what's going on in the world right now, we give you praise. We give you thanksgiving. And we know that we are yours and that you are ours at the same time. So that hopefully, regardless, we can press on in Christ to be content, to continue to move forward and not think about the past, and then to be found in you, Lord, that our identity, our value, our worth, our meaning for life can all be within you, Lord. So I give you much praise and thanksgiving. Thank you for everything. Thank you for my stumbling service, and just thank you for being you, God. You're the same yesterday as today as tomorrow. And so... How can we not rejoice? We love you. Thank you. Amen. So, awesome to see you all in a roundabout kind of way. Um, I'm just glad to see that, uh, you know, we're, you know, I don't know what you're looking like or whatnot. Uh, but remember, it's a two-way street. Um, so, I'm here. I know you're there. Like, I'm praying for y'all. I love y'all. And, like, let's... Let's keep up the good gospel fight, and let's keep sharing the good news of what Jesus has done. And it's probably never been so clear and never been so prevalent that the world is ridiculously broken as it is right now. And so how can we shine that light? How can we shine that holiness of God? And then how can we explain that amazing plan of redemption that is solely on the work of God, not on us as human beings? So think about those things. Uh, much love to you all. Grace and peace.